Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. Jesus said to his disciples, come apart and rest. And that's what I want to talk about today. We've been talking about being a part of God, being apart from other things, how the devil wants to keep us apart from everybody else. Um, but there is a place where Jesus says, come apart and rest. In Mark 6 verse 31, he said, come apart to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Do you sometimes feel you have no leisure? Now, the last few years for us with the lockdown have been unusual. I know for some people, they've been lying on the couch in their pajamas for days on end. For others, it's been so busy. I have friends who work in finance and banking, and they have been working from home, but they've worked longer hours than they ever did before. They've been working till two, three in the morning, and it has impacted on their lives, their physical health, their relationships, their families. And so I want to look at this today, come apart and rest a while. What is God's plan for you and I for rest, for coming apart from other things, for disengaging, for turning off devices and different things, coming apart and resting? And then is there a spiritual aspect to this? You know, in the Old Testament, one of the Ten Commandments is you shall keep the Sabbath day holy. Do no work on it because God rested on the seventh day. And while there is a physical aspect to that commandment and every commandment, there is also a spiritual meaning to the commandments. And so we need to understand firstly the physical, but then also the spiritual side of rest. So let me challenge you first of all. Why would God have put the Sabbath rest, one day a week of rest, into the Ten Commandments? Let's talk physically first of all. God made you, my dear friend. He designed you. He built the amazing machine that is your body. And He designed in the specifications that you need rest. Every day you need to sleep for a certain number of hours. You also need some downtime during the day, but then once a week you need a rest day. And I'm not religious about it, but I do recognize the wisdom and the importance of getting enough rest. There was a time many years ago in my ministry where I was working so hard doing ministry and it was things that I loved to do and I was doing God's work but I was working too hard. I was working too many hours and my relationship suffered, but more importantly, my health suffered. I came down with an unknown illness and eventually I had to be hospitalized. They never found out what the illness was, but it was clear to me. God was saying there is wisdom in resting. And I don't think God gave me the illness, but I had abused my body by working too hard. And let me stress, I was doing things that were good things, that were godly things, that were enjoyable things. I loved it. I loved what I was doing, but our bodies are designed to have some downtime. So, my dear friend, how are you doing with your downtime? How are you doing with your work-life balance? Have you got enough time for your family? Have you got enough time for friendships 
and relationships. Have you got enough time for just relaxing and letting your mind rest? Have you got enough time for exercise, uh, for eating well, for holidays, for study? Have you balanced your life or is your life out of balance? You say to me, Greg, is God going to punish me if I don't keep my life in balance? I don't believe he will, but I believe that God has designed us in such a way that your body will suffer if you don't have a good balance and your relationships will suffer. And the work that God wants you to do in reaching others for Christ will suffer if you're working all the time, if you never turn off your device, if you are always checking your emails and your messages, if even on the weekends you're thinking all the time about work. I remember when Sunday nights used to still be a time of rest, but now everybody's thinking about the next day's work. And so Sunday night is no longer a time of rest. I remember when we could go to church easily on a Sunday morning, but now there are so many events and activities and work things and sporting things and, and different things going on on Sundays that it is sometimes difficult for people to get to church. And with the lockdowns and all the different things that have happened, our schedules have become so mixed up that sometimes we need to reset. And that's what I'm asking us to do today. Jesus said to his disciples, come apart to a deserted place with me and let's rest for a while because you are so busy you don't even have time to eat and I believe it's a word for somebody today from a physical and emotional just a human point of view you need to put some balance in your life you say Greg what is the balance well I would say uh, eight or nine hours work a day is enough that that's my opinion and I believe you can say to your employer I may now and again do a bit extra, but if your job requires you to work long, long hours on a consistent basis for long periods of time, I think you would be right to prioritize God and relationships and say, I can't do this. I can't, I'm sorry. You also need to spend time with all those other things that I mentioned. Do a bit of a budget. You know, we do budgets for our finances where we say, this is what I think I need to spend my money on. Do a budget for your time and say, this is how much I want to spend with God, with family, with friends, with recreation and different things and exercise and see how it helps you. Because the Old Testament laws, while they had different purposes in the Old Testament, and I'll come to that in a moment, but there is underlying those laws a physical reality that if we live the way God wants us to live, it is healthy for us. It is good for us. And rest is one of those. You know, rest is the one of the Ten Commandments that is unusual because the others are righteousness issues. In the New Testament, it talks about um, the, the righteous requirements of the law and it contrasts those with the other requirements of the law. And so there are some parts of the Old Testament rules that are righteousness issues. What is a righteousness issue? It's saying it is right in God's eyes. It is the way God designed humans to be. And he says, you must live like this to please me and for it to be good for you. But rest is the one that's different because it's not so much a righteousness issue, but it's one of these other parts of the Old Testament law, which is a foreshadowing of Christ. 
and of our relationship with him. And it is an important one. It is so important that God put it into the Ten Commandments. And he refers it all the way back to creation. He says, you must rest because God finished all his work in six days and he rested on the seventh day. It is put into the structure of the universe, both physically and spiritually, that God was going to be giving us, his people, a rest. And so the second aspect of this, the first is a physical rest, to come apart from busyness, from work, from lots of different engagements and people. The second part is a spiritual one where I come apart from my own efforts to be good enough, to have my emotional needs met, where I'm on a, a, a treadmill just running, trying to get enough money or, or be important enough or make people like me or, or get to a certain position in my company or whatever it is. There's a spiritual or an internal part of rest where I come apart from the running on the treadmill. And that is an important part of what Jesus was talking about. Let me be clear. This passage in Mark chapter 6, Jesus was talking about physical rest for his disciples. Come apart for a while to a, a deserted place. Come, come with me. Come, let's go away because you need physical rest. But he also spoke of soul rest or spiritual rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Did you see that? Jesus said, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And he wasn't in this second passage. He wasn't talking about physical weariness, although the two often are linked, but he was talking about your soul. And I want to ask you, my dear friend, have you been able, like the psalmist, to say, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Have you come to the place where in your heart you are not always trying to measure up? You're not always anxious. You're not always trying to get to the next level and worrying Am I good enough? Have I done enough? Have I got enough? Do people like me? What are they thinking? Have you found rest in your soul? And the tenth, the Ten Commandments speak of righteousness, but the one about rest, keep the Sabbath holy, is speaking to a rest that God wants to give to His people in our hearts, in our souls, where we find rest in Christ. So I want to speak from a passage in Hebrews chapter 4 for a few moments. He starts by saying, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear or be careful, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So he says there is a promise and it remains of entering God's rest. What's he referring to? If you read the context, he's talking about the Israelites going into the promised land and they were promised by God rest in this promised land. But he says that was just a foreshadowing of a future rest. That therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, friend, God has a promise for you of entering his rest in your heart so you can be at rest, at peace. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. 
They didn't mix the promise with faith. They didn't put their hearts into it and say, God, I'm accepting your word, your promise, your truth more than all the shouting voices around me, more than my five senses, more than my worry, more than my anxious thoughts, more than my logic. Lord, I'm trusting your promise and what you say. We've got to mix his promise with faith. Now, the power is from God, but he just wants us to say yes. Will you say yes today? Verse three, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, so I sworn my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He says, we who have believed. The way we enter this rest is by believing. Not by saying, do I feel, do I see, do I uh, sense or match up with what's around me? No, do I believe God's word? That's how I enter his rest. And he says, for the Israelites going into the promised land, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. God had made a plan and he had established it with certainty from a spiritual, eternal point of view. So that even from the foundation of the world, it, those promises existed. Now, I know that's hard for us to get our heads around time and eternity. And you can watch one of my other talks on eternity to understand why he says from the foundation of the world. But what he's basically saying is from outside of time, I have decided I'm going to help you get into the promised land. And God's promises to you and I for rest are established from eternity. He says, if you believe my promises, you will enter my rest. So the challenge is for us, will we believe? Then he goes on to say, verse four, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. So what he says is, the, the Sabbath was a promise, not just for that day and that age, but forever. And the Israelites didn't take it. They didn't enter his rest because they didn't believe it. Verse six, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David today. After such a, a long time, as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He says, as you hear this promise, even today, you can open your heart. Don't harden your heart. You say, what does it mean to harden my heart? It means when God's voice comes, I say, no, I want to listen to the panic that I'm getting from the world around me, from the TV, from my bank statement, from my peers, from whatever it is. I want to listen to the hustle and bustle around me. He says, no, no, don't harden your heart. Open your heart to God's word. Verse eight, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Friend, this is a promise for you. You can rest in your soul. You say, Greg, I'm not really sure what you're talking about here. Friend, let me be clear. The way of the world is you have to earn enough. You have to do enough. You have to pretend enough. You have to be enough. There is a, an expectation of performance in order to receive acceptance or pay or promotion or whatever it is. Performance goes with pay. And in the Old Testament, that rule applied as well. But it was for a different reason. God was putting the law there so that we would realize we could never measure up, so that when Christ came, we would say, yes, I need a savior. But that 
performance lifestyle is in the world. But he says there is a rest for the people of God where I am accepted, I am loved, I am forgiven, I am looked after, I am held, I am blessed, not because of how much I do, not because of my race, not because of my background, not because of my track record. You know, the world has a credit history system where whenever you want to buy something on credit, they look at all the mistakes you might have made in the past. And that is a symptom of this world of of running on a treadmill. And he says there remains a rest for the people of God, not just physical, not just taking some time off, but spiritual and emotional. You will find rest for your souls where you say, I am loved, I am held, and it does not depend on my performance. Wow. You say, Greg, this is new to me. I, I, I thought religion was about do the right things and avoid other things, and then you might get to heaven. No, that's not Christianity. That is a different, a, a wrong gospel, a wrong way of thinking. The true gospel says there is a rest for the people of God. And then he goes on to say, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Jesus' message was, I've come to save the world. You must be born again. You can't do it by flesh and blood, he said to Nicodemus in John 3. You can't achieve this by your goodness, by your strength, by your own abilities, by your religiousness. You have to be born from above, and I've come to provide that. And it's a place of rest. Let me put it another way. Imagine you're standing at the foot of the cross and as Jesus is being crucified and he looks you in the eye and he says, I'm doing this for you. Father, forgive them, forgive him or her because they don't know what they're doing. I'm doing this for you. I'm paying the price. You say, Jesus, why all the wounds? Why all the suffering? Why all the pain? Why are you dying? He says, I'm doing it to pay for your sins so that you can be forgiven, accepted, washed clean, loved, held and kept by the Father. If you saw that, and then you said, Jesus, I have to do a whole lot of things to try and get to heaven, you would be insulting the sacrifice that he has made. And we are the same. We need to say, Lord, I'm resting in you. Not because of what I've done, not even because I said, yes, please, I want to receive your salvation, but because you did it and you finished it 2,000 years ago. You paid the price forever. God loves you because Jesus paid the price, not because you have done anything. And he blesses you and he holds you. And when you can receive that and understand you are held, then you rest in Christ. I just want to read one more passage, which I hope helps you understand this. It's from Isaiah chapter 46. And Isaiah was contrasting the idols of the day who were called Bel and Nebo. The people around the Israelites had idols, uh, Bel and Nebo, but they made statues of them and they had to work and they were big, heavy statues. And when they wanted to move them around, they had to put them on a cart uh, pulled by oxen. So in Isaiah 46, he talks about the idol worshippers and then he talks about those who love God and the difference between the two. Listen to this. Bel bows down. Nebo stoops. Their idols were on beasts, on the beasts and on the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaded. 
a burden to the weary beast. They stoop and bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Idol worship is carrying a burden, a bit like religion. Have I been good enough? Have I done enough? Have I complied with all the rules? It's a burden. It's a burden. But listen to verse 3. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnants of the house of Israel. You who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Wow. This is the rest. This is the rest that God was speaking of. He was saying, when you come into a true relationship with Christ, when you see the sacrifice he paid for you, when you see his eyes of love, and you understand he loves you not because you're good enough, not because of anything you've done or haven't done, just because of Christ's death on the cross. He loves you. He washes you. He accepts you. He holds you. And he keeps you in the palm of his hand. Jesus said, I won't let anything snatch them out of my hand. You can't be snatched out. You are a part of his hand. And he holds you. And when you get to that place of rest, you understand, God, I'm not just going to rest my physical body. I'm not just going to organize my time and my life correctly. I'm going to rest every day in you, in what you've done for me, in your acceptance and love, in the fact that even if I did nothing for the rest of my life, you would still hold me, carry me. You'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. I can rest. And the outworking of that, going right back to the first verse we read, is on a daily basis, we come apart from the world. We disengage from our devices and everything else in the world. We find some quiet place, a deserted place, and we rest with Jesus and we look on him with worship and we love him and we let him fill us with his words. You see, his words tell us the real truth, not the noise that comes from the world around us. We fill our hearts and minds with his words. We pray and we thank him for his love and his sacrifice for us and his strength refreshes us. And so we need to come apart on a daily basis to a, a deserted, quiet place and rest with God and receive from him. You say, what do I do in that time? I would suggest you read a short passage of scripture. Now, I'm all for reading lots of scripture, but in your rest time where it's just you with God getting built up, I would suggest you read just a few verses and study them and meditate on them and let them sink into your heart and your mind. Imagine the scene of those words and, and, and let God speak to your heart and think about each word and the meaning of it. And then pray to him, thank him for who he is and what he's done. Let his love wash over you. Listen, because his still small voice in your heart will say things to you and use that time to grow strong with him. And then secondly, we need to not forsake the assembling together. Hebrews tells us as Christians, we need to come apart once a week from the world and gather with other Christians, sometimes twice a week, a large meeting, uh, usually on a Sunday and then a smaller meeting in a home or something. But we're coming apart just for a small time to meet with other Christians. You say, Greg, why are you saying we need to do that? Because Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary 
and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And a yoke was what a person would put over a team of oxen to make sure they pulled together in a direction. So what Jesus was saying is, come to me and you will get rest for your souls, but you're going to be yoked with other believers and we need each other. You get rest and strength and power and life when you gather with other Christians. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says that as the body is joined and knit together, there is a supply that comes from every joint. Every person who's in that meeting as we're worshiping Jesus together, we're yoked together with him and with others. There is a supply that is flooding into me and I'm getting energized and strengthened and built up. And also the last point is Jude says, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are building ourselves up in our most holy faith. That means praying led by the Spirit in tongues or just led by the Spirit. But I believe it's speaking clearly about tongues in that passage. He says, pray in the Holy Spirit and build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Your spirit is getting strengthened. Friend, when was the last time you came apart, you separated from all the world's noise and you just rested with Jesus. We need it. The disciples needed it. Even Christ needed it. He went apart by himself regularly and spent time with God. We need it. But also with other believers, come apart, be yoked with others and get the strength. If you have disengaged from church, I want to challenge you and say, get back into church because we need to come apart from the world regularly and get strength from Christ. I'm going to pray for you, especially if you don't know Jesus yet. Just repeat these words in your own heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven and accepted and loved and part of your family. I receive it now, Lord. I confess my sins and I ask you to wash them away and make me brand new. And I thank you, Lord, that you make me part of your body and that I can now rest from my own works. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. LeadingLightsNetwork.com We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit LeadingLightsNetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at LeadingLightsNetwork.com or LighthouseJersey.com.